Hello, and welcome to the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, a podcast that seeks to answer the question of what are we even doing here from a biblical perspective. We are part of the Christian Podcast Community. Check out this and many other great podcasts at christianpodcastcommunity.org. My name is Daryl, and the Word of God says from Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And that's the word of God. This is a great verse. And this is what Jesus does. He, he teaches us how to fish for men, in a sense, because we are to share the gospel. We are to go into the world and preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel, be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And that is not just with people we know. That is with strangers. We are to, to fish for strangers. And I love the, the analogy of being fishers of men, because at this time, men weren't fishing with just a rod and reel. They were casting a net, a, a big net, and pulling fish in. And that is what we are to do. We are to go out and just preach the gospel and trust God's sovereignty. And that, that can be done in, in many various ways. It, it could be with the preached word. It could be with the written word, handing out tracts, handing out Bibles, and trusting in the Lord to bring people to himself. And I have a guest today, a, a very special guest that I, I've interacted with a few times on social media, various platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I believe also, oh, basically all of them. And he's been a great encouragement to me to, to go out and share the gospel. And I see often him sharing videos or pictures of him handing out tracks. And I actually got some tracks that he recommended from, from the OPC. And this is the one and only James Dorman. Well, he's not the one and only. He's apparently the fourth, James Dorman, the, the fourth. <laughs> but how, how are you doing this this fine morning, brother? Well, it truly is morning. I'm doing great, brother. I'm really thankful um, and honored to be on the show. Excellent. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great benefit. People, you know, even myself, before even I hand out a track, I, I, I want to do it more. I get I get nervous, but it, it's something we should encourage each other to do, you know, not not all are necessarily called to be evangelists full time, but we are all called to, to share the gospel. So I wanted to have you on to discuss your experience with that. And, but before we get there, just tell the listening audience, maybe a little bit about yourself, whatever, whatever you want to share. And then maybe we'll get into a little bit of how Christ drew you to himself. Oh, awesome. Uh, well, my name is James Storman, the fourth, quite a mouthful. Um, my family and I are members of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. We go to a small one here in Reno called Mount Rose Reformed Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Um, you know, outside of that, I'm a pretty boring family guy. Love dating my wife, love hanging out with my kids. We love going hiking, playing with our dog. Um, and outside of that, I am a decorative plumbing salesman, which isn't the most uh, interesting thing, selling expensive toilets, but hmm. um I guess that's brief bio of myself. Um, I am also in the OPC. So we, we I, the only perfect church, right? Oh. <laughs> the only one. And, and mine is also small, right? <laughs> but uh, no, I love, I love my, my OPC Orthodox Presbyterian church. Uh, and yeah, like I mentioned that I saw the tracks that you posted, you sent me the link and then I sent that to my pastors like, Hey, can we get these? He's like, yeah, sure. And then like the next week we had them in. So Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, those are, are great tracks. Uh, so yeah, just just talk, you know, briefly share um, um, your your testimony, how Christ drew you to Himself, um, 
Yeah. Uh, I came to faith in Jesus Christ over 10 years ago while I was incarcerated. Um, looking back, I'm always tremendously thankful that I can connect the dots, how God used evangelizing ministers who were visiting the jail, how God used specific converted inmates who were there already, who had already embraced the gospel. And even in that whole process, my girlfriend at the time had come to faith in Jesus Christ, and she was being used instrumentally to communicate gospel truth to me. And so that process of conversion for myself took, took place over, I don't know, three or four months. Uh, it involved a lot of guilt. It involved the Lord doing a lot of law work on my heart. Um, I think for the first time in my life, I was, well, not the first time in my life, but a time in my life that I was separated from all the things that were distracting me, my reckless living, my sinful living, selfishness. And the Lord really brought me into a place of deep conviction for months uh, over my sin. Uh, it's funny, you know, I didn't grow up in a church, but he definitely gave me a, a, um, clarity that I was not loving him as he ought to be loved. And I wasn't loving others as they ought to be loved as well. And, you know, going through that for the first time, it was a pretty phenomenal uh, experience to go through that while incarcerated and not really to have any immediate exposure to gospel truth, but to be dealing with this conviction, knowing it's coming from the Lord. Um, you know, an evangelizing minister, he gave me a Bible and I began reading through the gospel of Matthew. And one day I was reading in Matthew chapter, I think it's 12 or 13. And I finally obtained peace in a very simple verse in Matthew chapter 12, verse 32. And the Lord Jesus said, and whoever speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or the age to come. And I remember that bringing that process of conversion to completion. And it's such an obscure verse. It's not, you know, the most evangelistic verse, but in it, the Lord used it to show me his willingness and his ability to forgive me. And I um, received Christ for salvation there. And, you know, it's interesting when you get saved in that context, everyone kind of tells you everyone gets saved in jail. Everyone becomes a Christian here. And even there's ministers who told me that too. Uh, and I think a lot of them had a lot of wisdom with that because they see a lot of people make false conversions and then leave and go back to the world. Because um, it's really natural in that environment of stress, loneliness, to want to cling to something like um, Christianity, for example. But I'm thankful the Lord has preserved me and sustained me these 10 plus years. That's a that's an amazing story. Uh and just how, how God works through all different circumstances. So it, it you've been a Christian for about 10 years. Is that what you said? Uh, it's been 12 years. 12 years? Oh, that's great. 12, yeah. yeah, it'll be in August. It'll be 10 years for me. And oh, yeah, Lord. just I just look back and yeah, just the way God works through different situations is truly amazing. And, and, and just faithful people sharing the gospel really. And and praying you know yeah. it could be for, for me it was actually and I, I told this story a few times so i'm not going to tell the whole thing but uh, it was a movie somebody gave me a, a fireproof with kirk cameron that kind of <laughs> the lord used to bring me to himself he growing pains kirk cameron's was used to share the gospel with me so 
it's pretty amazing. But even him, he's, you know, he came to the Lord and he's sharing the gospel in different ways. He was working with um, Ray Comfort in Living Waters. Um, So, you know, we, we come to faith through people sharing faithfully the gospel with us. And then for me, as soon as I got saved, I was like, I got to tell other people about this. I got to, you know, why, why aren't more people sharing this? Why, you know, I can remember even thinking back before the Lord drew me to himself, a few people here and there sharing the gospel and me like rejecting it. Like, Oh, I don't want to hear that. You know, I just don't want to hear it. And then all of a sudden I hear it. And now I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm grateful. Those people were trying at that point and planting seed. And then as what we are to do, we are called to go and plant seeds. And I see that, that you do that. So what, what kind of, did you start doing that right away when you were saved? Did you start like sharing the gospel with others? Or is that something that you felt convicted over time? And it's like, well, I got to go tell people this. You know, that's a great question. There was a natural um, desire basically immediately. You know, I, I knew that I had found something from the human experience, right? I found the treasure and you want to share it with others. I remember the first person that I shared the gospel with, um, was my mother over the phone from the George Bailey detention center. And, uh, you know, I didn't understand effectual calling or total depravity at the time. So I thought, you know, this is amazing to me. I simply need to call my mother, explain to her how amazing it is. And she'll become a Christian as well. And we'll both be happy together. Uh, and it didn't go that way. Right. She was, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term, she was disinterested in the gospel over the phone uh, from a detention center. And then I called my brother and my brother more or less, even to this day, thinks I kind of lost my mind uh, while I was incarcerated. But yeah, that desire has always existed ever since I became a Christian. And I think over the years, it's just been shaped um, by specific events and specific things that's led me to where I'm at today, um, evangelizing the way I do and with the convictions I have. That's interesting that you say like, you, you shared the gospel with, with your relatives, with your mother, with your brother, because I've done the same thing and pretty much have had the same kind of reaction where, and usually it's either the, Oh, well, that's good for you. You know, whatever. And it's like, oh, no, it's good for all of us. Like, or, or even, even my wife who, who was saved two years later at one point, yeah, she thought I was crazy as well. So I totally understand that. But at it's funny though, because when you know, once you get saved and you start telling people, you're like, "Oh, people are going to believe this," and then they don't, and then you read the the, the scriptures, and you're like, "Well, yeah, Jesus says they'll probably reject, or <laughs> yeah, where it's on their own time." You know, it, it, you know, it's it's God's timing that saves them. Just be faithful, plant seeds, know when to when to kind of back off a little bit, know when to push a little forward, and that's sometimes hard finding that balance. But you know, and that, and that's with our, our relatives, but we're also called to to share the gospel with everyone that, that we come in and encountered with. So I see that you do that, um, you know, handing out tracks and, um, do you do that with a group from your church? Do you go out to the street and, and do that? Or is that something you started doing on your own? Well, I originally started doing it with a friend, Tyler of mine Uh, at the time, Tyler was part of an Acts 29 church. And I think this would be some help, helpful background, but I, I hadn't always been, distributing tracts or desiring to preach the gospel in the open air. Um, probably like yourself, you know, when we first become Christians, like I was saying, we all have a desire to, to share the joy that we found to share the gospel with others. Um, despite the age of maturity we're in, or despite how theologically well shaped we are yet, we have a desire to share the gospel and always having that my whole Christian life. Um, you know, five years ago, I think I 
came to the biggest realization that I was not as equipped to communicate the gospel um, as I thought I was, right? I didn't have gospel clarity or I didn't have any hammered out um, tactics or methods that I should have in place, structures or disciplines at all or anything. And five years ago, my grandpa, who I grew up with, he passed away in the hospital. And my grandpa sadly was an unbeliever. And I spent those times with him in the hospital, having a desire to evangelize him, to share the gospel with him. And when he died, I remember that drawn out process of him passing away. And when he died, I remember it dawned on me so seriously, you know, every person, the healthy nurse, myself, my mom, everyone in the room, you know, everyone's going to come to this point, no matter how successful they are, no matter how strong they are, no matter how healthy they are, no matter how young they are, they're all going to come to the point that my frail grandpa just came to and they're going to die and they need the gospel. And I remember at that moment, I felt so unequipped to do anything for anyone uh, communicating the gospel wise, right? I, I felt so inadequate. And so that day I called my friend Tyler and said, Tyler, have you ever passed out gospel tracks? And I knew that he was raised in the church. I knew he came to faith later on, but he had this big Christian background. And he said, man, I think about that all the time. I'd, I'd love to go past gospel tracks. And so he was the first person who was on board that I ever met who was willing to go hand out gospel tracks. In my whole Christian life, I don't think I'd ever met someone who was doing that. And so him and I got into that, oh gosh, I think it's been four or five years now. And even to this day, I, I still go out a couple of times a week minimum to pass out gospel tracts. And once a month, I'll go out with a group of friends now, um, mainly my pastor will go out with me once, once um, the last Friday of every month to go out and we'll pass out tracts to folks and even engage in some open air preaching. That's great. And, and it's always great to have the support of your local church as well when you, when you do that. And it, it, it encourages you more because the, the few churches that I've been in the past, it's like, yeah, you could, you go ahead. you know, kind of like, but they didn't want to like help in any way. At least it, it seemed that, but the church I'm in now, uh, like, I, like I said earlier that my pastor got tracks that I have requested. And I believe that, you know, once we find some more time in our day, uh, we'll go out together and hand them out and, and do some open air preaching. So he's very encouraging that way. And uh, out here in, in New Jersey, down on the boardwalk, in Wildwood, there's a place called the uh, uh, Boardwalk Chapel, and then oh, all yeah. yeah, all summer they have like different, like usually like some youth groups come in, but different groups, and they do evangelism training, and they do evangelism right on the boardwalk. So like uh, Al Baker, do you know? Are you familiar with Al Baker? He does a lot. Yeah, of, yeah. He comes down, does a training. Um, uh, Christopher Bird does training there, and uh, it's good to have the church behind you when you're going out because you don't want to always go out like rogue and start evangelizing you want to be at least you know have somebody affirm the call like yeah we should always go out and share the gospel but especially open air preaching you want to be very careful that you want to make sure you're called and you're under the authority of of your local church you know pastors elders the session because there are a lot of rogue open air preachers that maybe shouldn't be preaching what they're doing but it's always good to have that that support and um just the the uh, encouragement from your local church and the, the the leaders, but a lot of people 
don't think open air preaching or handing out tracks is effective. You get a lot of kickback. At least I have. Like, does that really work? Is that is that effective? What What would you say to people that maybe people have said that to you that said, you know, you know, James, uh, you know, I, I I don't do it that way. I just I just live my life and let people see how I live, and then maybe they'll get saved. I'm I'm being a little sarcastic there, but. But I've heard that before. But what would you say to a person that asks you, is that really effective, you know, handing out tracts, open air preaching? The two things I typically respond to now immediately, because I do get that question quite frequently from well-meaning believers, from Christians outward looking in. I get it through messages sometimes. Um, It is effective two ways. It's most importantly effective. It's effective in glorifying God. It brings glory to God that his son is communicated to lost sinners, whether it's in it, the form of a written tract or in a open air message that is um, honoring to his word and the message concerning his son and the way to salvation. Um, so one, it's effective in glorifying God. That should be a priority of every believer. Um, second, it's effective when done rightly, gospel tract distributing and open air preaching when these things are done rightly in a way that's God honoring, trusting in the sovereignty of God, they are effective in not producing stony grounded hearers, which to me is a big deal. And to all of us, it should be a big deal that we're not simply trying to just create emotional responses, false conversions, reactions that we've forced people to muster up through communicating things other than the gospel, using gimmicks, tricks, um, such as that. So It's effective in those two ways. And I think that starting there is very important for people to hear that because usually when someone asks, is it effective? Um, You know, not always, but sometimes they have a defective view of what conversion even is. Sometimes they have a defective view of um, the order of salvation and they want to see some sort of immediate result to validate what you're doing more or less. Yeah. And I forget which evangelist I've heard answer this question the way they'll ask him like, so how many people have you led to the, to the Lord? How many people have you brought to the cross? And he said, every single one of them. Because it's true. If, if you're preaching the gospel faithfully, either people will believe or they'll maybe come back and ask more questions or they'll reject it. Just like in Acts 17, when Paul's in the Areopagus, you know, it says people, some people believed him. Some came back and asked more questions. Some rejected him. And that's, but every single one of them, he led to the Lord. He said, you know, the time has come for all men to repent. And that's what we are to do. We're just to be faithful to God and sharing the gospel, still loving people. But what, what more loving thing can we do than tell them where eternal life is? We have the words of eternal life. How unloving is it if we kept that to ourselves, which, you know, oftentimes I, I am afraid. I'm afraid of man and, and I love myself. So I'm afraid to share that gospel. I want people not to reject me. So I, I won't share that message of love, but we should be like the woman at the well. Come see a man who told me everything that I know. Come see a man. And that's how, how we are to, to do that. And, and I hope others out there will do that and not be so afraid. And I hope even for myself that I'm more encouraged to do that because we do have the message of love. But what encouragement would you give our listeners who are thinking about, you know, maybe, maybe I should hand out tracks. Maybe I should be more open with my faith. What, what encouragement would you give them? You know, the encouragement that comes to mind immediately um, that I would encourage anyone who has this burden to do evangelism or to reach anyone with the gospel would be to be faithful 
in the context and the environment you're already in. A lot of people want to jump over the thousands of souls surrounding them mm. um, to hop on a airplane, click a ticket and get to another country, take some selfies and come back. Um, but, you know, I would encourage anyone who has a desire to be evangelistic to confirm that desire with asking this question, am I being faithful to the souls that are within my reach already? And for some of people listening, that might be the covenant children that are at their dinner table. I would never encourage anyone to skip over their covenant children to go evangelize somebody at a bus station, for example. Um, for some of us, it might be a lost or a lost spouse, a lost parent, a lost next door neighbor, lost coworkers. But I would encourage people to, you know, this might be surprising advice because this is about street evangelism, but I would encourage people not to jump over those souls mm -hmm. to head out and march to the souls of people they've never met. Um, there's a place for that. And it's, it's awesome. I mean, obviously that's why I do it. I think it's God honoring, but uh, too often we neglect that, you know, there's nothing attractive to the American church about evangelizing your covenant children, doing family worship, taking them to church with you. And I think you agree, brother. I think you and I are eye to eye on those convictions, but that would be my, I think an initial encouragement that I would offer. The second thing is if someone is desiring to, you know, move beyond the people around them that they are faithfully worshiping with, witnessing to, catechizing, loving in that way, um, I would encourage them to start with gospel tracts, to find really awesome, sound biblical gospel tracts, to familiarize themselves with them, and to pray that the Lord would bless those. You know, I think it's awesome that Charles Spurgeon called them uh, silent preachers, because they really are. Gospel tracts can go where you're not. And nobody can argue with the gospel tract. They read it, they're confronted with it, um, and the Holy Spirit does use the truths that are in gospel tracts. Th those are, are great ways of encouragement. Definitely, definitely, we should not be neglecting the people around us, especially our family. And that's is our first mission field. Whether you are called to be an open air evangelist or a pastor, you, our first ministry is always at home. And that's usually the hardest, too, sometimes to do that family yeah. family worship time get everybody together and teach some scripture sing some songs but it, it is also a blessing at the end of the day and that's how a way that god builds his church but also what you said with the tracks you know it's as easy as you know you go to a restaurant leave a track with the tip not as the tip leave the track <laughs> with the tip or you, you know wherever you're at you, you know if you're afraid of starting out by handing somebody a track just leave one someplace because like you said, they can go where we can't. So somebody might take it, pick it up, put it in their pocket, put it in their car. And then one day they decide to read it. We don't know when that day is, but it's just another way to plant seeds. And it, it's, it, it's cool sometimes to, to hand it to somebody and say, Hey, you know, when you get some time, read this later, that's all you have to do. Just, you know, occasionally I try to do that with, with cashiers at a store. I'll say, Hey, read this later. I did it yesterday. And my daughter was like, dad, I was like, this is what we do. <laughs> like, you know, and, and it's good to do that with your children too, because then they, they can see, and then they can grow up in an environment where they're not as, as afraid to, to do this. This is like what they know. Th those are good ways to share the gospel. And, you know, we're, we're saved by grace. And that is a beautiful thing. Why wouldn't we want to tell somebody that? And it's all of God's work. We, we are sinners. We, we deserve his wrath, but Jesus Christ came and he lived a perfect life, not deserving of wrath, yet he took God's wrath on the cross for us in our place. And then he was buried and he rose and he's at the right hand of God right now. And he's coming again to judge the quick 
and the dead. And what we are to do is to just trust in the finished work of Christ. It is finished. He has done it all. And we just trust and we rest in that. And from that, we have gratitude. We live a life of gratitude, still imperfect, but being sanctified, being made into the image of God, uh, the image of Christ, as we go along in our lives, trying to, to not necessarily to please him, but now we want to please him. We didn't have that desire before, but now we have that desire. And part of that is sharing the word, sharing the gospel. So if you're listening out there and you haven't trusted in Christ. Uh, James and I both pray that you do. You trust in our Savior, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You put your faith completely in him because that is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. So it's all in him, his finished work. And then once you do, I pray that you find a local church to, to worship with that it honors Christ, honors the word of God, lifts him up, worships rightly, encourages others to, to worship and to live lives of gratitude towards God and sharing the gospel with others. And we believe that's in an OPC church, but if you can't find it, <laughs> nah, but in all seriousness, there are good local churches to be in. And we pray that you, that you find one and go on the Lord every Lord's day, morning and evening, if you can, and just be grateful and praise with our brothers and sisters in Christ who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. So James, I got one more fun question for you. This is the fun question that I've been asking people. I might change it up soon, but it, I don't know. I just have fun with it. Nicholas Kim Coppola. Did you look him up? Do you know who he is? <laughs> I forgot to look him up. Okay, no worries. Truth? All right. Do, do, you, do you watch movies? Are you a movie fan at all? Not a mo- I watch movies, but okay. not a movie buff. Okay. Nicholas Kim Coppola is the one and only Nicholas Cage. You know- <laughs> I know Nicholas Cage. Is. Okay, Nicholas Cage. Uh, I think... He- I don't know the whole story, but he changed his name because he is the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, I think he's the famous director, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think he wanted to kind of like not get jobs because he's, you know, Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. But I could be wrong with that story. But anyway, he changed his name to Nicolas Cage. So the question I have for my listeners or for my guests is... If you if a Nicolas Cage movie was real life, what character would you want to be? And it can't be any character that Nicolas Cage played. So it has to be a supporting role. A supporting role to Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Do I get to pick which actor I am? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I think it's only appropriate that I'm Kirk Cameron running away from a fire with him wearing a leather jacket. He, he, was in a, he was in a movie with Nicolas Cage? I don't even know that. I thought we were making up a movie. Oh, no, we're not. We're not <laughs> gonna be, I should change, I should change the question be. to making up a movie. It's supposed to be what movie that he's already in, what supporting role would you be? But, that, but I like that. We could keep that one. Okay, let's oh, go man. with this. Let's go with this. What movie... What what what's the plot of this this Kirk Cameron Nicolas Cage movie? What's the running away from a fire? Is this the end scene? Well, we're at we're at Ken Ham's museum first okay. and foremost. Okay. And someone has stolen a very important bone that is connected to the dinosaur inside the ark. And somehow there's an explosion, and we're chasing them. Awesome. It could be like a, an evil. Uh, 
an evil anti-Christian man who's trying to ruin Ken Ham's whole theme park. I like this. I like this. Cool. Yes. So it's almost like a, a twist on like a national treasure where they steal the Declaration of Independence. But here they're they're chasing down somebody that's stealing this uh, this bone. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to run with Pretty it. Pretty terrible, but yeah. I like it too. We'll, we'll work on the script. We'll send it to Kirk Cameron and say, hey, can you get your friend Nicolas Cage to be in this movie with you? And <laughs> we'll produce it. <laughs> we'll, we'll get that. Uh, uh, oh man, I forget the name. The, were they the Jackson brothers? The, the guys that did Fireproof, I forget, but they're like, do all these Christian movies. We'll get those guys to produce and direct it. And then, yeah. <laughs> I don't think Ken Ham would approve of this. No. <laughs> we'll make tens, tens of dollars. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, that exceeds our ridiculousness on the. Uh, <laughs> the podcast the the portion of the podcast but james thank you so much for coming on is there uh any place that our, our listeners that can can follow you find you any social yeah media? I, I think the simplest place is just on twitter mm-hmm. uh, my twitter handle is alfred sparks okay alfred sparks should i yeah is, is that like yeah. a, a person we should know should i know who alfred sparks is is that you know i get that a lot um and I get a lot of people who message me and say, hey, Alfred, I get that all the time. <laughs> um, the reason I chose that name is my friend Miles on Twitter. Uh, I've known him. He's my, the first friend that I had when I became a Christian. The first person I ever came across who was the same age as me. We both came to, to faith in Christ around the same time. And he's like, you need to start a Twitter. It was like, you know, 11 years ago when I met him. And he's like, what's your middle name, Alfred? Oh, Okay. We live in Sparks, so he put Sparks, Alfred Sparks. So it's my middle name and uh-huh. the city of Sparks, which city, Sparks is a neighboring city to Reno, Nevada. Hmm. If you've been to this area, you would know Sparks and Reno are kind of like conjoined twins. They're so close together. Cool. That's, that's a cool uh, origin name for your Twitter, Alfred Sparks. That is better yeah, than, well, than being like named after, oh, well, this was an author. that No. That's cool. (laughs) Until next time, we pray you continue to seek the kingdom of God. Check out all the podcasts in the Christian podcast community. Find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. Drive safe, Grady. I don't think Ken Ham would approve of this.